serve droids a star wars podcast hosted by me scott and my buddy chris this is our review of the last jedi you ready to talk star wars yeah let's do it so uh i thought well first off like like what format did you see it in i saw it um just regular digital like non-3d non-imax just you know plain jane movie theater or as plain Mm -hmm. jane movie theaters you can get in these days right right yeah, I went and saw I did see it in the 3D IMAX. Okay. And I don't know, like, how much it added to it versus not. So, anyway, I just was curious about that off the start. But to get the actual specifics of the movie, I thought that, like, uh, the sort of opening scrolling text really put me in, like, a Empire Strikes Back kind of mood. Like, that's what I was expecting, given the sort of setup, like, oh, Rebels are on the run, Empire has them on the ropes kind of scenario, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, like- uh... It opened, you know, oh, they're having to evacuate the base again. I think we've been here before. <laughs> right, right. And uh, I guess, like, the First Order's gotten stronger since the last movie, and maybe the Resistance has gotten smaller? I wasn't sure about that. Yeah, they never went into much detail, but, I mean, when they were... Presumably this was the last of the Resistance we saw throughout the film, and they're down yeah. to about a dozen people now, but I was down assumed to... it was larger... Yeah, down to 20 people and the world's slowest bombers. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's jump into that first scene, which... Okay, so first you got Oscar Isaac sort of mouthing off at the... Whatever they call the Star Destroyer. That was kind of fun, I guess. Yeah, it's it kind of took me out of the movie, like, almost immediately. The kind of to, like, 21st century, you think? Yeah, like, I'm, I'm, can, I can hear you, can you hear me? Like, the, you know, mm-hmm. crappy cell phone reception kind of joke. Yeah, I can see that. I think that I'm inclined to forgive anything that Oscar Isaac does. Just kind of a big fan of of him as an actor in a lot of the movies he's in. So I'm definitely not impartial in any scene that involves him. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, the jump in, and I don't have a lot to say about the scene, except that the bombers were so incredibly slow, <laughs> and I can't figure that out, because there's no resistance in outer space. What a piece of junk! Yeah, I just... I mean, aside from, you know, the obvious plot needs, just, why? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I just, I could not get that. It would be like, uh, if, you know, Paul Tibbetts had had to, like, pull the Enola Gay to Hiroshima before he dropped the bomb. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we've got it armed. And he's just, like, dragging it on the ground. (laughs) Like... If there was any ship you wanted fast, you'd think it was the one carrying, like, the payload of bombs. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see why they were, you know, very hesitant to use the bombers in that scenario. <laughs> right. when, when they're, you know, <laughs> when they're just effectively, you know, non-moving objects in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. I did not understand why. So anyway, so the bombers get over it. And then, did you think that we were going to get, like, a Doctor Strange love, like, woman, like, rides the bomb down the chute? Because I, would, like, really thought that was about to happen. 
Oh, that would have been great. Yeah, I was a little disappointed when it didn't. My my thought was so. I mean, even in the best case scenario, these bombers aren't going to make it out. Like they're <laughs> they move too slow. They're not right. Like if yeah. if, if it's mission accomplished, like you know, if even if the lead bomber you know got off the shot, the the last the one coming up the rear is still going to get taken out by the by the explosion. Right. I, I don't I don't know what the end game here. was. Yeah, I mean, if you're in, like, an evacuation scenario where they're like, those bombers are dead weight. Because then, like, what happens is it's like, we got fast ships not running slow ships. But there's no way those bombers are going to make it. <laughs> so, I think bombers are, like, dumb thing number one in the movie. I mean, I don't think it, like, kneecapped the whole scene for me, but it did seem almost kind of comical. Yeah, I mean, there had to have been a better way to add add the needed tension without... Resorting yeah, to like that. The exact same scene with them not going slow. <laughs> like, it's not like they can't shoot down things that go fast. I don't know. Uh, you got anything else to say about this opening scene? I mean, I, I enjoyed it. And I liked the as much of a throwaway as the that <clears throat> that dreadnought ship was. I thought that was interesting. But yeah, I liked the uh, I liked the destruction of the dreadnought. And there was a little line later that made it seem like the resistance was bigger when they're like, oh, dreadnoughts, these are fleet destroyers. And it made it seem like, you know, the resistance had all these fleets everywhere. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I presume the First Order has a lot more ships, you know, scattered around everywhere, just taking over the galaxy. Yeah. I'm just... Which is, which is, we're going to come back. I got a question about that, but it's, I think yeah. it's better, better put off for later. So anyway, the the slow bomber, despite its own self-imposed handicap, manages to blow up uh, the dreadnought, and they jump into hyperspace. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the hyperspace effects in the new movies. I think they look kind of cool. Yeah, thumbs up there. And then they pull out of hyperspace, and uh, you know we get sort of like the battle resumes, and uh, Princess Leia is launched into outer space. That's the sort of uh, moment that most sticks out to me in that in that thought uh, in that scene. You got any thoughts about about uh, anything going on there or the res- resumption of the battle there and Princess Leia astronaut? That I think that might be my new low point in all Star Wars. <laughs> not, not so much the launching out, but but the the return. Not not too much later. So I mean, that was like Darth uh, Vader yelling no. I, I think it beats it. I, I just it's. <laughs> I think like, I, I think I, I phys- hate sand. It gets everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I think I physically cringed in the movie theater. <laughs> that that was really when it was like it became apparent that oh no, I think we have a problem here with this movie. <laughs> there, there there have been too many questionable questionable decisions per minute so far in this movie. <laughs> right? Yeah, because I mean, we're a good ten minutes in now, right? Yeah. If if <laughs> that, yeah, it, she definitely lasts a lot longer in outer space than like. Um, I was led to believe from uh, Dave in 2001 A Space Odyssey. I always thought it was like, you know, he was like able to last three seconds and I was impressed. And she's out, you know, cold. You yeah. Know, looking about as frosty as uh, Leonardo DiCaprio at the end of Titanic. <laughs> and she still manages to like force pull herself back in. Yeah. And I guess, I guess the reasoning was, oh, the force. Right. <laughs> A wizard did it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, whatever, you know, I... I think something we're going to discover here is that I'm I'm perhaps to be a little more willing to uh, to indulge the movie at face value than you are because I'm I don't know I'm kind of willing to buy this. I mean, overall, I I I I enjoyed the movie more than I didn't enjoy it. 
it was yeah that's, that's kind of in my line too yeah oh yeah like, there, there are a lot of high points a lot of low points and that was a low <laughs> that's point that's a good point it was a real roller coaster. Um, so, uh, my big problem with this scene uh, is actually in sort of the aftermath of it. And so, this is something that I didn't understand. Uh, so, I watched the scene and I was like, oh, okay, explosion. And, and I actually thought Leia was just going to die right there. Yeah. Like, I thought maybe this was, uh, you know, since Carrie Fisher had died, I didn't know if that happened. I didn't know, like, where in the movie production that happened. And it was like, well, we'll just kill her off early. So I was really believing that she had died. Um, I'm early in it. I don't know if you thought that or not or what. Yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, I thought that would have been, you know, a great exit. Just kind of, you know, very sudden. And you know, I think we uh, the opposite end was you know Kylo hesitating with mm-hmm. firing, and then I guess his, his wingman kind of making the decision for him. You know, maybe the yeah. regret attached to that. But yeah, Kylo definitely has better wingmen than Darth Vader did. Yeah. Because Darth Vader's wingman like run into his own ship. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like look out, and then just pull pull hard right, and, and just hit the side of the Death Star trench. Right, right. Really pulls a Porkins there against uh, Darth Vader's ship. Yeah. So so kudos <laughs> to Kylo Ren for having a competent uh, wingman. But so uh, my question that occurred in the aftermath is they said something. I forget who even said it. But they said something that made me think that Admiral Akbar had died in that scene. Yeah. Did you get this? I didn't get it during the movie. I heard about it after the fact. I wasn't sure that the... I think the you, you see him at one point. I wasn't sure that it was... I mean, I assumed it wasn't him. I just assumed it was, oh, that's, a, no, that's Mon Calamari. That's how I am. I mean, admittedly, I might be like a Mon Calamari racist, because they do sort of all look the same to <laughs> yeah. me. Um, but afterwards, I couldn't tell if they were like... Oh, Akbar died like a year ago of cancer, or like Akbar died like a second ago in the cold vacuum of space. They didn't mention him dying, and it, it, if that was really him, I'm kind of annoyed if that was him, right? Like, you can't have Akbar die like a, and, and us not even know he was there. Yeah, I mean, and I, I, I think I looked it up after the fact, like that, that he was on the bridge, and he, that's how he went out. So he bit the, he bought the farm, man. Yeah. Like, like, it just seems like they could have given me like a two second like interaction between Akbar and Leia, where Akbar is like, oh, you know, we're always fighting these guys. There's, you know, I don't know, just something where they like speak to each other just to establish. I need like an Akbar establishing shot. Yeah, it just it seems just it's almost it was like it was an afterthought. Just you know, oh, oh by the way, Admiral Akbar died. Yeah, right. It's like when you go home from the holidays. It was treated like when you go home and your mom tells you some distant relative died, but you don't even know who that is. Yeah. Oh, you know Aunt Petunia? And it's like, no, I don't. It's like, yeah, you do. And you're like, no, I really don't. And then you feel like a jerk because you're not sad that Aunt Petunia died. That's how the scene treated Akbar. But like, I like Akbar more than Aunt Petunia. Like, I would have liked to felt sad that he died. If that makes any sense. And I, I know the original voice actor died sometime last year, but I'm looking this I up. mean, if Rogue One can, like, hologram Tarkin for half a movie, they can get a stitch together some old Akbar sounds for this, you know? Well, I think they've got, they had someone play him in, this list is a credit for someone from, uh, oh, from 8. Huh. So, 
I, I don't recall him speaking in the movie, but apparently there, there's someone credited with him as as his voice in episode eight. Yeah, so, so maybe, maybe they got a scream off before he was yeah. sucked out in the vacuum of space. <laughs> right. I'm just I'm just bummed that like I watched Akbar die and didn't even realize I saw it happening. Like yeah. I felt like that should have been treated with a little more gravity than the literal zero gravity that Leia was then ejected <laughs> into. And uh, just not to jump ahead, but I think he would have sure. been a much better replacement for the um, the vice admiral that ended up in command and Leia's incapacitation. Yeah, let's move on to Laura Dern. So, um, so what do you think about like her in this in this role? I, I'm not really familiar with Laura Dern, so I, I was I, I, under, I heard under, heard or understood after the fact that she's you know fairly well known, but I don't I'm not sure I know her from anything by, by name. I'm sure I've probably seen her in something, and just didn't realize it. But yeah, wasn't she in Jurassic Park? She's the paleobotanist in Jurassic Park. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, she's the one elbow elbow deep in the rhinoceros shit in Jurassic Park. I just, I, I'm glad to see she's still getting work. <laughs> well, I don't know how much she's gotten since then. Um, but either way, once again, she's elbow deep here in the uh, the first resistance situation now, being like uh, having the burden of leadership thrust upon her. Yeah, I mean, and, she, uh, she looked like she just just fell out of the Hunger Games movies into on, onto the ship. <laughs> Okay. She, just, she, seemed, funny that she, you, she seemed very out of actually, place. <laughs> I was actually going to make a comment about her future hair. Because I think future hair is very hard to do right. So you've got like two poles of future hair, right? On the one end, you've got like, you know, Ellen Ripley hair and Alien. Which is just like, you know, it's just like a late 70s perm. Like, yeah. you know, they're like, we don't need to future it up. We'll just give her a normal late 70s do, right? Yeah, and then the other end of the extreme I was thinking was Hunger Games, uh, <laughs> maybe Fifth Element, and I thought Laura Dern's future hair was maybe a little in between, but I guess maybe, maybe it was pointing towards the Hunger Games pole of future hair. Yeah, it was like a very toned down purple, like maybe very toned down, but it's still purple. Yeah, it's just yeah. And now that uh, you mention this, I should point out that I am colorblind, so oh. It, it's, I'm like, it seemed more muted to me, but I'm like, oh yeah, it's because I lack the appropriate cone cells to see all the colors. What, what, did, it, what did it come across to you as? Just, I, I, mean, I thought it was a subtle blue, so like, oh. it just, it, I thought it was like, again, uh, I don't know that Star Wars has done great with future hair. Like, the Leia head buns, I mean, that was made fun of back in the 70s. You know, yeah. she had honey buns on her head. Um, and the little, you know, Padawan rat tail was never a good look in the prequels. <laughs> and then, like, you know, the dudes in, in the original movie just had late 70s hair. You know, they had, like, Battlestar Galactica TV hair. <laughs> so, anyway, I was glad that you also wanted to talk about uh, Laura Dern's hair. So <laughs> Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> I thought it, it, on a scale from Alien to Hunger Games it was like a 5, and I'm thinking you thought maybe it was more like a 7-8. Yeah, the 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 color. I mean, more than anything, just if if it was if it was more, you know, had more had more volume to it. Yeah, definitely a, a ten out of ten on the Hunger Games scale. You'd be glad to know that in the three D, it wasn't like poking out at us or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm, I'm just. What do you think takes oh, longer, Laura Dern to do her hair, or the Resistance bomber to make it to the Dreadnought? <laughs> 
that's that's all their their R and D went into instead of developing dreadnought in, or I'm sorry, uh, bomber engines. Was <laughs> New shades of purple. Yes. <laughs> Be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. Uh, hair aside, I just I wasn't also just was not a big fan of that character. Yeah, I I agree with that. So I thought separating the actor from the character, I thought that Laura Dern did a good job with it. But the character itself did one of the things I most hate in movies, which is create a problem where the only reason there's a problem is the character doesn't say something that she just obviously should say. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, that was maybe a very convoluted way to put it. So I guess, I mean, to explain that, so, you know, we'll jump into like the sort of, I guess, sort of main sort of plot threat in the movie, which is that, you know, now the First Order has a... You know, found a way to track the resistance through hyperspace, so they know if they jump again, they'll just get tracked. But they're low on fuel, um, so they're just going to kick it in like subspace. I don't know. That's what they call it in Star Trek. I don't know what they call it in Star Wars. They're going to stay on subspace and just try to keep moving as long as they go out in front of the uh, slower Imperial Imperial uh, not Imperial First Order ships. Now they get rid of those dumb bombers, so they can stay stay ahead of them. <laughs> And, uh, you know, Oscar Isaac wants to know, like, well, what's the plan, right? And Laura Dern's just like, hey, shut up, you know? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> you just got demoted, I'm not telling you. <laughs> yeah. Like, and why? It's like, you're, you're supposed to, you're a leader. This is not, this is a very poor leadership. Just yeah. saying, sh- shut up and wait to die, as far as right. you're concerned. Right, Yeah. I know all the men look up to you, which is why I'm just going to call you Flyboy and not tell you my plan, nanny nanny boo boo. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, that was frustrating because I mean that's what sets up the whole like uh, you know Crimson Tide and space plot. We can play these games all night, Mister Hunter, but I don't have the luxury of your presumptions, sure. Mister Hunter. We have rules that are not open to interpretation, personal intuition, gut feelings, hairs on the back of your neck, little devils or angels sitting on your shoulders. We're all very well aware of what our orders are and what those orders mean. They come down from our commander-in-chief. They contain no ambiguity. Mr. Hunter, I've made a decision. I'm captain of this boat. Now shut the fuck up! (laughs) And I felt like they wouldn't have had to go crimson tide on the submarine if Laura Dern had just said, like, oh, hey, there's this top-secret salt planet. And we're just going to eject the pods uh, into the salt planet. It just would have been like, oh, cool. That's a good plan. We'll go to Salt Hoth, and then that'll be the end of the movie. I'm I'm, I'm halfway convinced in my head that the only reason that she was she was very mute on the on the plan was just to give uh, um, Finn and Poe and um, uh, the new character something to do in the movie. Yeah, Aside from just sitting on the ship for, you know... Yeah, two I hours. Thought, couldn't they have like? So here is my like head cannon like workaround for this plot problem. I thought it would have been nice if they weren't sure how the first order tracked them, and they thought like, well, it could be this like tracking device that we've never heard of, or there could be a spy on board. And if there's a threat of a spy on board, then Laura Dern really might feel like she can't tell anyone her plan. Yeah, they kind of danced around that for half a second before deciding to go to um, uh, Space Monte Carlo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm glad that you uh, go the same route there. I was calling it uh, uh, Monte Calderon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's way better. 
<laughs> but we were on the same the same same wavelength there. So so anyway, I mean that is so Laura Dern is not gonna tell anyone her plan for no reason. Uh and we have a sort of like um a sort of a Star Wars speed situation, right? The resistance cruisers move it along with limited fuel. If it drops below fifty miles per hour, the Dennis Hopper is gonna, you know, just blow up the the cruiser with Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves on board, right? <laughs> exactly. It's but, also kind of like a uh, the same plot of like uh, like the newest Mad Max movie, right? You know, the Immortan uh, Snoke has got his friends from Gastown and Boy oh, Farm. And yeah, <laughs> they're going after the Resistance's war rig with limited fuel. Yes, something that's minor thing that bugged me. They cannot yeah. run them. But they they're never putting any distance between them. Like they're, yeah. they're outrunning them, but at a, but like at a speed where they're both moving, <laughs> moving at roughly yeah. the same. Clip. Again, maybe this is a head cannon workaround. But I was wondering if maybe the thought was to conserve fuel. Not that this necessarily makes sense in outer space, but you know, bombers, whatever. To conserve fuel, it was like we could have put a little more distance between them, but not in any way that would really matter. So we'll just match their speed. To conserve conserve our again dilithium crystals, I don't know what yeah. Star Wars uses for fuel. That's a good thought. I hadn't considered that. And yeah, this this was the first time they kind of introduced fuel really in the Star Wars universe. I want to say, yeah, it never Aside- really seemed like it was a real threat, a real issue. Like they never were gassing up in in any of the other movies. Yeah, I mean, the only other example I could think of was in, in Episode One, but I mean that was mainly because their hyperdrive was damaged. Right, and they right. mentioned not being able to make it all the way to <clears throat> excuse right. me, Coruscant, but it wasn't like there was a fuel leak or something. I didn't, at least didn't get that. Impression. Right, I always thought on Cloud City they were mining like some kind of spaceship fuel, but it was never really explicitly said. Right, yeah, I mean, Tabana gas was the thing, but yeah, not in the in movie. The movie I, I think, yeah, but like yeah, like I mean, in 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 canon, yeah, that's you know, you find out oh, that's what they're doing there, right. But yeah, that's I mean, a good point. Did you ever think that, like, weren't surprised that the First Order didn't, like, call in some, like, reinforcements or, like, try to, like, I mean, go a little Dukes of the Hazard and, like, head them off at the pass? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's what's, that's what, I mean, that's what was kind of bothering me. Like, presumably they have more than, you know, the ships they have pursuing them. And even, even if not, they couldn't one just jump, you know, I don't know, in front of them? <laughs> <laughs> that was my thought. Like, just shoot a, like, That's what Boss Hog would have do. He just would have said, the Duke boys are going to that ditch. Let's head them off at the pass. Yeah. So. <laughs> I didn't, maybe they're zigzagging. Just serpentine. Serpentine. <laughs> right, right. You but, know, like, if they shoot ahead, then they'll just change, you know, in one of any infinite directions. I don't know. Or maybe it was just a, like, hey, we're not in any rush. We'll yeah, just enjoy the cruise and then, and then blast them out. Have our slow prodding, you know, um, horror movie villain just type pursuit of them. Yeah. So I mean, again, I wasn't convinced that it it really makes total sense that they couldn't get to them, but I did like it as a um, tension device. And there's something similar in, in A New Hope. Um, this was I I'd never occurred to me out of the thousand times I watched that movie, but I think it was on the. Uh, how it should have ended YouTube YouTube uh, the guy that makes us how it should have ended movies I don't know if you've yeah. watched any of those yeah I've seen those but the Star Wars one mm-hmm. it's like so the Death Star pulls out in the Yavin system and says like oh you know the Rebel Moon is on the opposite side of the planet we'll be there in 30 minutes 
And Tarkin says, no, we'll be there now. And just blows up the planet. <laughs> <laughs> and like, the moon's right behind it now. <laughs> you know, it never occurred to me, but it's like, oh yeah, why spend 30 minutes circling the planet when you have a planet blowing up? Super weapon. I guess so, uh, Devil's Advocate on that one, at least. I think, was was Yavin a like, gas giant? I want to say it maybe was. I don't know. That's the only, yes. that's the only reason I yes. can think of maybe like, you know, you can't really, there's nothing to blow up there, maybe. I don't know. I'm not yeah. sure how a super laser would work on a gas giant. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I mean, I experimented that a couple times in college and let my underwear on fire, so. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Continue with the operation. You may fire when ready. Uh, so, anyway, so I, I don't know. I like it as a tension device. I'm not 100% sure that it makes sense, but I think within the realm of Star Wars, it's not like such a plot hole that it really bothered me that much. Mostly I kind of liked it. So, I guess we'll cut now to I don't know the names of any of these planets. I looked it up. It's like Acto, Acto. Yeah. I don't know. Dagobah. Yeah. <laughs> New Dagobah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts about the, the Acto scenes? I'm not sure if there's any bad, bad blood between Rian Johnson and J.J. Abrams, but I could certainly imagine there to be some. Because in so many ways, it seemed like he did everything he could to just negate the entire previous movie and to, to you know, completely sabotage any kind of continuity between the first one and the third one, which I think yeah. Abrams is going to be back directing. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. It did feel like a simultaneous, like, middle finger plus, like, three stooges finger to the eye. Yeah, just, I mean, just from from initially, um, just lightsaber over the shoulder, off a cliff. Yeah, that was great. It was... Uh, that, I don't it, know what it was like when you saw it. When I saw it, again, now, maybe it's kind of like the Oscar Isaac jokes where it takes you out, but it was like a... The theater I was in reacted very positively to that. Oh, yeah, I mean, um, it, it was completely unexpected. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had I had kind of a, a nervous laugh going like, <laughs> "What's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, you know, I I I really liked a lot of the scenes here on on New Dagobah. I think Luca did solve one of the problems that his mentors had, as far as like the inevitable run away and become a hermit, is that he picked a planet that was neither a like the desert from Dune or like a swamp. <laughs> like he actually went to a pretty nice place. So I give him credit for that. Yeah. Oh, I should say those little birds. Oh, uh, the porgs, right? Yeah. So I saw, I, this was like the first time that I didn't go see a star Wars movie on opening day. And I avoided spoilers as best I could. And I saw everyone posting pictures online of these porgs and making jokes about the porgs. And I like, I just thought they were, like, Ewok-level important. Like, I thought these dudes were going to be, like, a central element to the story. <laughs> so when they weren't, it was just sort of a surprise to me. And, and maybe that, like, you know, changed my reaction from some people. But I just thought they were kind of funny, whatever. I don't. I didn't have any thoughts about them. It surprised me the amount of, like, posting there was about the Porgs, given their sort of lack of relevance to the movie. Yeah, I'm... I have to assume they were just, they're just there to sell toys. I read, so I don't, I like, I saw this in, in passing, but the, the island they filmed this scene on has like, um, um, what are those weird, like, puffins? 
It has, like, puffins mm. on it. And mm. they're, like, not legally allowed to, like, scare the puffins away. Hmm. So they just, like, you know, put in these aliens over the puffins in the background. <laughs> I mean, p- puffins are exotic enough to, you know, know it's an alien <laughs> That's bird. That's a good point. <laughs> I didn't, truth be told, I didn't know puffins even existed until a year ago. <laughs> I went to Maine and they were like, come see the puffins. And I thought that it was like a Bigfoot hunt. <laughs> I thought it was like a ghost tour. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, see the puffins, right? <laughs> They're like, no, it's a real thing. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you're not in the minority. I mean, it's you know they're they're not exactly prevalent enough that you know most people would have seen them. But I guess the idea of the CG artist something to do. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, fair enough. It's probably a toy cell thing. But the same could be said about like everyone in Jabba's pa- like half of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the whole Ewoks, right? What about the uh, the fish nuns? What do you think about them? Ah. Uh, I mean, initially, before they were revealed, I kind of liked the idea of, you know, just Luke being in solitude, you know, <laughs> just maybe having built those right. few structures on the island, you know, just, you know, just, you know, kind of doing the the Yoda and, and Ben Kenobi, you know, hermit yeah. route. But he, he skirted his way around that one, too. He's He, he really <laughs> just really picked his planet well, like you were saying. Yeah. Right. Got maid service and everything. Exactly. Yeah, it almost felt like, like I mean, this wasn't what really what happened, but it almost felt like the uh, the fish nuns weren't like in the original cut of the movie. <laughs> They're like, uh, let's just add some fish nuns to make it funny and like stuck them in there. Like all the scenes where he's talking about them, his lips aren't really moving or something. Because <laughs> they just come out of nowhere. I mean, it, it's you don't see one for, I think, the first, maybe the first cut or two that you're there. And yeah, then yeah, it's like... The, she then, spends the night before they show up, I feel like. Yeah, and the I mean, next day they're out, but I mean, just... In full force, no less. Yeah, so it was... I thought they looked kind of like if Mr. Toad had gotten E.T. pregnant, <laughs> they would have birthed the fish nuns on New Dagobah. I mean, E.T.'s are in the Star Wars universe now. That's, that's oh, canon. Oh, that's right! Yeah, this that's... is canonical E.T. I forgot about that. So... I guess Mr. Toad might be as well. I do apologize for the image that will now be in your head whenever <laughs> someone mentions Mr. Toad's wild ride. Uh, <laughs> that's no worse than most other things from my childhood at this point. <laughs> right. Star right. Wars included. Right. Uh, I, I've got to. I want to jump right there because it's it's tearing me apart inside. Yeah. The the milk thing just. Oh God. <laughs> Just speaking of things that will scar me for life. Oh yeah, I, I, something about it. I don't know. It it, it kind of reminded me of like in, in Rambo when the uh, the guy that like trained Rambo was like he'll eat things that would make a billy goat puke. And it's like he says it in a real funny way, and the guy's like, "Okay, I didn't ask. You know, <laughs> like, I didn't really care what John Rambo can eat." It felt like like that, like. Like Luke was looking at, him like, ah, oh, watch this. Yeah. Let me <laughs> but, watch as it runs down my beard, and I'll wipe it away. <laughs> yeah, it was very like a uh, Rocky eating the raw eggs kind of scene. Exactly. Like, uh, look what and, I do. And just, uh, just that whole scene. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like, like it. I like don't know. the, like, like the thing that turns and looks at him. <laughs> you, yeah, it, the, yeah. The, the fact thing. that it seemed to be in discomfort made me not like it as much, but. Do you think it was like a, a taste of home for him? Like, I mean, maybe that's because, the entire reason that he, that he came know. there. He just he, he came for the milk. Yeah, I mean, he just can't get blue milk 
There's only two places in the in the galaxy you can get blue milk. And I ain't going back to tattoo. <laughs> a man who's been trained to ignore pain, ignore weather, to live off the land, to eat things that make a billy goat puke. But I mean, the rest of the islands. Um, I mean, it's I enjoyed it. Um, I don't really have many complaints about it. What do you think about Luke's? You know, this has been one of the controversies. You know, sort of of Mark Hamill's making about Luke's characterization on the movie. Uh, I've, I heard. Of the, I think you mentioned that he, you know, didn't completely agree with the mm-hmm. the directing or the direction. The, the you know they picked for the character. Yeah, and and I guess I meant like, what do you? How did you? How did you? How did you feel about like Mark Hamill's performance or Luke in the movie or, or however you want to however you want to take that question? I enjoyed his performance. It wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. granted, what else was what I was, what right. I was expecting in right. this movie? I mean, I just. On some level, I think we all maybe wanted Luke to come in and fully trained, you know, just Jedi Master that he kind of not to, to walk jump in ahead. with his laser sword and save the day. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Just just to just to come in and like, you know, just I'm 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 what you all were hoping. Like here it is. Like in the mm-hmm. essentially in the scene that we kind of got towards the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Right. But, right. But. So I thought, yeah, that's a good point. I actually think it makes you like that scene later even more. Yeah. Given that it dashes your hopes for it. Yeah, only if after the fact that sense. I realized that, yeah, it's it would have been, that would have just not been the correct way to go with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I really loved, like, pretty much every scene with Luke in this movie. The milk scene may be excluded. But um, <laughs> I thought he did a good job of going uh, to maybe, like, adapt a phrase from Tropic Thunder he uh, went Yoda-like without going full Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows you never do <laughs> a full, full Yoda. In <laughs> that he didn't play, like, goofy like Yoda, but he did play, like, crabby hermit. You know, you gotta prove yourself. And I, also, I really liked the scene where he explains the Force to Rey. I actually think... I mean, one, they... Again, they just forget about the midichlorian crap mm. from the prequels. But but even beyond this being better than the prequels, I actually think the scene where he explains the Force to Rey might be better than the scene where any scene where Obi Wan or Yoda explains it. I just thought it was uh, it was descriptive while still being mysterious. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I'll agree with that. It's I'm just I'm just trying to think back on. I mean, everything else just just thinking back. I mean, from the previous films, it's always was very, very vague. And this yeah, was... I like this, like, reach out, what do you feel? And the scene before it was funny, where he was kind of touching her arm with the, the branch, and kind of tricking her, that was kind of <laughs> funny. And I thought, again, that was sort of Yoda-like, but in a way that I thought made sense to Luke's character. Yeah, it was it was one of the few scenes, or one of the few instances where I think the, the humor didn't undercut some kind of tension. Which mm-hmm. I think did happen a lot in the rest of the movie. Mm, I see. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, I really liked everything on this planet. I, I love all the scenes with Luke, and I also liked the uh, the Kylo Ren Ray scenes. Yeah, that was that was a nice surprise. Yeah, I thought, um, you know, when they 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 were sort of force timing. <laughs> uh, I thought it played it well in like a have you ever like accidentally FaceTimed someone and then they like answered it and then you gotta like you know what do you do then you know like you gotta just be like I don't want to FaceTime you 
Like, <laughs> I would have possibly want to look at you right now I talk to you. <laughs> and that was like the way they were, right? They're like, we, you know, it was like they accidentally forced time. They didn't want to be having face to face communication. So, oops, I'm just standing here with my shirt off. You, you caught me completely <laughs> right. unaware. Yeah, total butt dial on the forced time. You know, it's definitely that great awkward, awkward conversation there. And oh, there was one thing that I thought. So if there was one like real theme to this movie, it's that it always like zagged when I was expecting it to zig, or zigged when I thought zag, or however you want to say it. And sometimes, as we've mentioned, it didn't. It went in a in a direction that may have been a little dumb. But a couple times, it went in a direction that I I expected it to do something stupid, and it didn't. So there was that one scene where uh, Kylo and Ray are up on the Force time, and they touch. Do you remember this scene? I do. And I th- I thought something really dumb was going to happen, like Kylo would learn where Ray was at from touching. And I don't know if that I just thought that because like something similar happens with like Bran Stark on Game of Thrones. I don't know if you if you watch Game of Thrones. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I was spending like the Night King touching Bran Stark in the tree cave kind of kind of lame moment. Yeah. But luckily, the the scene was it was actually it was just about establishing an emotional connection between the characters. It wasn't about some stupid way to track them down. Yeah, I'd be curious. I mean, just just if what would happen if to the you know pursuit on the other side of the galaxy if Rin suddenly knew where where Luke was. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought that was where it was going, um, but I'm glad it didn't. I'm glad it was actually just about you know a bond formed between these characters and not some nefarious. Well, at least not nefarious on the part of Kylo Ren's to, yeah. to find them. Yeah, I'll second that. Other things I liked on this planet, I, I liked when R2-D2 showed the uh, the Leia hologram to Luke. Yeah, I was I, that was something else just was not expecting it at all. Yeah, I mean, it, it could have been cheesy, but I, I, I mean, again, maybe just being a huge fan, but it, it really kind of st- struck my heart, my heart, my heartstrings a little bit there. Yeah. So... I, so, I don't know. You got anything left from from New Dagobah worth talking about? Uh, just oh. poor, poor, poor Chewie. Just yeah, it was a lot like Chewie on on Indoor. Yeah, <laughs> grabbing that Ewok trap, you know. Yeah, I mean, he was just not as bad as uh, Archer D two on Dagobah though. Like getting stuck out in the rain while Luke and Yoda are in the hut. I never understood why they leave leave R two out there. Seem pointlessly mean. <laughs> so uh, you're droids. We don't serve them here. They'll have to wait outside. <laughs> yeah, right. Yoda's been hanging out with the cantina owner. Um, something that was very like not Star Wars like, but I thought was kind of cool. Ray's weird like vision with all the reflections. Yeah, I've heard that described as maybe kind of Kubrick esque. I could see that. I could see that. But- yeah, it was it was interesting. It was a nice take on, um, you know, the, the Dagobah tree. The the Dagobah tree. It was. I liked. Um, it just, I liked how I guess it it just maybe less so than like the Dagobah tree where it you know presented you with a you know like a, a direct threat. Yeah, like maybe it was, it was a little more ambiguous. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yeah, I liked this like train of of rays where I thought a lot of movies if they had done the same scene there would have been like. One of these rays would have been the real ray, and the other ones would have been like the reflections. But the way it was shot, it made it sound like they were like they were all ray. Mm-hmm. You know, the one at the beginning of the infinite line and the end of the infinite line, like she was experiencing all of them at once. 
I thought was maybe more David Lynch than Stanley Kubrick, actually. Yeah, I can see that. But I just I thought it was a cool visual thing, and I thought the way it transitioned from that from her she started narrating it in the middle of it, and then you can kind of tell the narration is you know at first I thought like is she talking to like us like is she like Ferris Bueller-ing the camera, <laughs> um, and then you find out that she's talking to someone, and at first I thought she's talking to Luke, and then it turned out she was talking to Kylo, and I thought that was a cool cool part. I haven't. Speaking of David Lynch, I, I haven't seen Twin Peaks, but I heard someone describe it as very, very Twin Peaks. That's Twin yeah. Peaks esque. Yes, she seemed like she went into the the. This won't go you do anything for you, but it seemed like she went into the Black Lodge. That's all I've got. I think I've said this three times, but now that really is all I have for for New Dagobah. Yeah, I mean, it's just 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 summing it up generally. It was I don't know maybe the the best overall. Or I guess the I location agree. with the location with the least disappointments, maybe throughout the movie. I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I mean, I, I really it was my favorite parts of the movie were all the new Dagobah scenes. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, just Daisy Ridley, Mark Hamill, just solid performances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought Mark Hamill in this movie was better than any of the original trilogy movies. Like, I thought, I thought it was like this a really strong performance from Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's because he's older or the direction he was getting or what, but I just thought he was fantastic in the movie. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't really have much else to base on more Camel's acting performances on, from, yeah, you know, aside right. from His, the Joker and Batman. <laughs> right. Yeah. I guess just, I mean, compared to like acting in star Wars in general. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe Harrison Ford as Han Solo, maybe Alec Guinness as Obi-Wan. And then I would say, you know, Mark Camel in this movie is, is as good as, as anyone. I mean, it's, it's a it's a series with generally bad acting. Like, it's a series I love, but, you know, it's it's Uncle Owen going, hey, what are you trying to push on us? You know, it's, it's yeah. not a good acting series. <laughs> Take these two over to the garage, will you? I want them cleaned up for dinner. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. You can waste time with your friends when your chores are done. So moving on, um, Oscar Isaac is going to send uh, Finn... Uh, well, first, oh yeah, so a very weird scene at first is they sort of deduce this whole uh, Empire has a new, sorry, First Order has a new uh, tracking device that we've never heard of. We need to get into the ship and disable it. Uh, who could get us in? Let's call our old friend uh, Maz Kanata up. So they call, call Maz up, and she's apparently playing Call of Duty. <laughs> And, you know, much to the dismay of her team, she takes the call in the middle of her game. I, I guess it just never really got, I guess it was never really established much beyond just broad generalization about what Maz does in the, in the previous movie. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of just, you know, ramboing into situations, that, that I was not expecting. No, it was so stupid. It's so pointless. I mean... I'm assuming it was just there just to give her, you know, the need for brevity in that conversation. But yeah, I just, yeah, yeah, she could have done it differently. I just didn't get why she needed to be needed to be Ramboing like that. Yeah, and and also she describes it in a very weird way. She says she's in the middle of a union dispute. Yeah, I mean, I, and to me, I actually like think this sort of kneecaps the whole, like, spirit of the movie. Uh, and, and maybe I'm being, like, way too nitpicky about this. But so, like, you know, by the end of the movie, we we, we learn the sort of, like, 
moral of it is is this very like downtrodden people are gonna like vote for Bernie Sanders and overthrow the one percent, right? Yeah, it's just and which I'm all about, you know, like I'm like the 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 choir that that sermon is preached to, and for that to be the theme of the movie, to have one of your like heroines like blowing up union reps, <laughs> like, I'm not so sure it fits with it. Like these poor guys just want like time and a half overtime, and she's like hurling grenades at them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're like have banners that say forty hour work week, and she's like blowing up bombs and stuff. <laughs> <what> I think. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call our buddy Union Buster Mosganetta up. <laughs> so that was weird. I mean, like, couldn't she? I mean, like, couldn't she have actually been in like an actual legitimate union dispute? Like, if she'd been like, "Oh, hey, I can't really talk right now. I'm at this negotiation with a union." I don't know. It was just very yeah. weird. I, don't, I, I have nothing I, else. I just, I, I guess that wasn't funny enough. They, if they called her and she was just in a, in a conference room, that would have been, that wouldn't have been funny. Yeah, she had to be. I just thought, blowing people up. Yeah, which boy was it weird for her to be blowing up like laborers in like a sort of pro downtrodden anti big government kind of, <laughs> kind of plot. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're setting her up to be the the next big bad. After <laughs> right, right. <laughs> She's the real Snoke behind Snoke. <laughs> it was Mazel. Anyway, rather than just saying, "Hey, let me text my friend John and you can meet him," she leaves these like cryptic clues, like go to the casino planet and look for the guy with the flower on his lapel. And so they're off to that. Right. Yeah. So we land on, on Monte Calderon, right? <laughs> that name's perfect, by the way. And I, I really like, I thought when they walked, I'd be willing to bet you had the same reaction. I thought we were going to get like 10 minutes of a James Bond movie. I need another thousand. I admire your courage, Miss uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr. Bond. James Bond. Yeah. I mean, it's... And then it ended up not happening? Mr. Bond, I suppose you wouldn't care to, um, raise the limit? I have no objection. Like, so my first reaction was like, what a weird tone shift. And then I got kind of excited. Like, oh, cool. Like a James Bond movie plot... In the middle of Star Wars. Um, that'll be fun. And then it didn't happen at all, and I felt really let down. Looks like you're out to get me. It's an idea at that. Yeah, it's, uh, the whole, that whole sequence just felt so shoehorned in and just out of place. Yeah. So I got excited there and then let down. And the other thing that excited me, and this is probably just more personal to me and the things I like in Star Wars, I don't remember the, the engineer... Uh, the engineer that comes with Finn. I don't remember her name. Oh, Rose. Rose. Okay, she, she, <laughs> she is... What a non-Star Wars name. Uh, I've, I've... I've really wished for the harm to come to them as much as I have, like, any any non-evil <laughs> character as this, but... Right. Uh, I, I just... I just disagree with everything about this character. Okay, I want to hear more about that in a second here. Yeah. When we leave Monty Calderon, I want to hear about this. Oh, oh I, I can go on for hours. You'll have to stop. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so Rose and, and Finn, um, there's this, I mean, really a throwaway moment where she runs outside. And she's like, oh, I've always wanted to see this in person. And for like a second, I thought it was going to be a pod race. And yeah, 
maybe a lot of people would have hated that because people hate episode one, but I would have loved for there to have been a pod race going on out there. I mean, it was it was arguably the best part of episode one. The pod race. <laughs> yeah, well, Darth Maul. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's, it was it's up the there. Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. So anyway, I was a little disappointed when it was just like space horses instead of uh, land spaceships, pod racers. <laughs> um, but space horses, uh, whatever. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't have a lot else to say about Monte Calderon. They end up in jail very quickly with Benicio Del Toro. Who I had no um, idea was in this movie. <laughs> right. He kind of pops up in a funny way. I, for some reason, I would bet the decision to stutter was Benicio Del Toro's decision. I can see that. and it... I, don't, I don't know why I think that. I don't know if it's because his character in Usual Suspects has like a speech speech issue as well. That's like his thing. But uh, I thought another place where the movie, where I thought Zig and it went Zag, was it would have been very cliche, but I kept expecting Del Toro to actually be the codebreaker. Yeah, I, that's like that's, I thought. That's originally what I thought was the was the was the case. Yeah, I thought it would like pan down, and he would have a different kind of lapel that you would see was what Moss was talking about. So it was a. I thought it was kind of a fun little like. Again, it, it seemed so cliche that, oh, is here's the guy who it really is. But it's like, no, it really wasn't. And this guy's actually a jerk, and they never should have brought him along. <laughs> so that was kind of fun. But So we we, we thought we were getting a, a James Bond, a mini James Bond movie, and we didn't. And now it's starting to shape up like we're going to get like a mini Ocean's Eleven. And we don't. But it's starting to, you know, like, we got the engineer who can disarm it. We got the codebreaker who can get us in. And we got the ex-stormtrooper who knows the way. You know, like the perfect team for the heist. But, of course, it, it, it doesn't work. And your favorite character, Rose, uh, does, does not get to do her magic. So what are, what are your thoughts on on, uh, on this Rose by any other name? Oh, just back to Casino Planet real quick. I was, yeah. I was hoping... In my heart of hearts, that I, I didn't see any spoilers about this movie. Sure, I was hoping the codebreaker was going to be Lando. I was really hoping oh, it was going to be Lando. Oh man! Oh yeah, that's that's. I was disappointed that I didn't get a pod race. I can't imagine if I'd been hoping for Lando and yeah. didn't get it. I mean, it was it's like I mean, are they going to introduce someone else new in this movie? It's like surely not. Come on, I mean, Millie Williams. I'm sure he's up for you know. Oh yeah, up for it. I mean. I was like, yes, this, oh, yeah. this, this, this could all work. This would be, it'd be a great he would cameo. Out at yeah, Monty Calderon, exactly. With a cape, yes. Saying, Who might you be? Exactly. <laughs> I can, I can and see then, it in my head, and it's wonderful. And then Finn walks up and like does that, like uh, they like grab arms and do that like midair arm wrestle that Billy <laughs> Williams and Schwarzenegger do in Predator. Carl Weathers. Lando, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Dylan! You son of a bitch. Oh, man. Uh, I'm disappointed, and I didn't even think it was going to happen. Yeah, it's uh, just so many disappointments on uh, on on that planet. <laughs> the... So it was much like a much like a real life casino. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you thought going there would be fun, and it was very disappointing. <laughs> I did like that the, uh, I guess like, maybe shortly after they departed, he was, <clears throat> Benicio Del Toro's character was, I think, looking at the, you know, the person whose ship they stole, like what they had, you know, mm-hmm. what kind of arms do they wear. I like the fact that it touched on, oh, they're selling to, uh, you know, the First Order and the Resistance. You know, you're, yeah. you're, you're both kind of, yeah. you know, you're both kind of buying weapons on the black market here. 
Right. Yeah, I liked this. Maybe the real villains are these, like, war profiteers. Like, I actually really liked that theme. It did raise a big question for me about the plot, and I think this was more Abram's fault, and we were just stuck with it. Where does the First Order get its money from? That's a huge... I think when the... When the like when and the first line of the credit skull says like the first order reigns and and just in the back of my mind I'm thinking where where are all the resources coming from right I mean I could I can see with you know like maybe like a strong force user like Snoke you know kind of maybe manipulating things but sure I mean I guess I you just, think they've got protections against that like after after a thousand generations of Jedi you don't let them buy low sell high right yeah I, I'm just I mean, even with that, I'm I'm just seeing the you know just the scale of their their ships and you know the the depth of their technical equipment and the improvements that they've made. I mean, they've you know completely redesigned new ships and constructed them and armor, weapons, they vehicles. That yeah, planet Death Star thing. Exactly. I mean, it's I mean that art the the Starkiller base arguably was you know took more yeah engineering and construction and materials than yeah. both Death Stars. Right. And it's, I just, yeah. it's. Yeah, I don't get it. Because particularly, like, why would they have so much money and the feasibly backed by most of the New Republic resistance have, like, none? Yeah. Like, it's a real, to compare it to, to the original Star Wars, you know, you just start off with an empire. And you don't need to explain, like, where the empire gets resources from. Like, we're familiar with like, how empires work. And then, but but then in the prequels, it actually I think one of the things that it does well, and maybe doesn't get credit for, is while it botches the the creation of Darth Vader, I think it it really sells the creation of the Empire, where you have a, a galaxy wide republic that is not militarized, but then a guy militarizes it, and then he turns it into an empire in a way that seems, you know, both politically and economically feasible, right? Exactly. It was. You know, no, no, you know, no question about how you know the situation as we left it in you know episode three right. could could but, you know but this you know this be, first order we really get Rome being built in a day. Yeah, the, the only I w- I've been thinking about it a little bit, and the only I still can't answer all the questions, but just under the assumption that you know after Yavin, maybe the bulk of Imperial forces, you know, with the vast majority of their ships and bases and equipment sure. just consolidated. And maybe the New Republic didn't completely have control over all of the galaxy sure. at that point. Sure. And I think Rose's character mentions at one point, like, they, the First Order strip-mined their planet and then used mm-hmm. it for weapons testing. But, so, I don't know. That's, that doesn't yeah. really... I mean, I could, I could understand them running around and, you know, just Star Destroyers Old still. Star but, Destroyers, right. But, but have the new fancy stuff. Exactly. And those, yeah. like, a dreadnought the size one of, of the many... two Super mm-hmm. Star Destroyers and... Snoke's ridiculous yeah. ship, wherever it came from. Yeah, yeah. It, it It's one of the many plot holes that I think The Force Awakens just papered over in very J.J. Abrams fashion. But it, it, it seemed like it came to the forefront here with, with war profiteering being like a theme of the movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm still giving you this as your chance for, for your rose venting. Just generally speaking, just the character just seems... Just, just seemed unnecessary. Yeah, much okay. Much like uh, Monty Calderon, the whole Monty Calderon plot in general. Maybe she's just the embodiment. I think of that entire unnecessary subplot in my Mm -hmm. mind, and that's why Mm -hmm. I'm. I got you. I got you. (laughs) 
Just like every night has its dawn Just like every cowboy sings a sad, sad song Every rose has its dawn So, um, we're back in the, uh, the Super Duper Star Destroyer. And Ray is going to confront Kylo in a very, like, way reminiscent to Luke confronting Vader in Return of the Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and, and much like Vader, she takes him to to the Supreme Leader, Emperor, whomever. And uh, how about, like, the uh, <laughs> the 47 Ronin hanging around the, the throne room? Yeah. <sighs> I, couldn't t- I couldn't figure out these samurai, do- are they, like... I couldn't figure out the samurai dudes. Are they like robot dudes or Jedi dudes or just regular dudes? <laughs> like, I'm not. Sh- I mean, I, I heard. I'm not sure if this is canon anymore, but I mean, I remember you know reading about reading about the Emperor's Royal Guards, but how they were maybe slightly force sensitive or you know right. like very seven tenths there to being you know on you know like a, a Jedi level just in terms of just for yeah. defense, but. At one point, I thought you know they could have been the dudes that left with like that like that Kylo Ren turned some of Luke's pupils with them. Yeah, I, I considered I that. Could have been it, but then I thought no, I don't know. They they struck me in a very like crazy eighty eight from Kill Bill. Yeah, they seemed very disposable. Yeah, and, they and, were the crazy eighty eight without um, whoever like the boss <laughs> the oh, boss was after. Yeah. <laughs> who swung the woman with the, the schoolgirl costume. Yeah. <laughs> the crazy idiot was they needed a her. Ren's personal bodyguard, 17-year-old Gogo Yubari. Yeah, I, and just the the cynic in me likes how they each had different weapons so they can sell, like, 12 different action figures of the same guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, it was kind of funny in that, like, it almost, as a kid, the when I watched Return of the Jedi, the Imperial Guards were always so cool. And I always thought, like, oh, I would love to see these guys in action. And so there was a little bit of, like, I mean, we did sort of get that here. And I thought, I mean, again, the fight scene was was actually probably the coolest action scene in the movie. Yeah, I agree completely. I just thought their presence was funny. I'm not complaining about it. Like, I feel like we're, we're both coming across pretty complainy, and I... Most of us think they're kind of funny. I don't. I don't really have anything against them. My, I just thought it was funny that they had the crazy eighty-eight here in Star Wars. The, they were very loyal because I'm not sure what their motivations were in terms of attack. Like, what, what, what are you hoping to accomplish at this point? Like, you're, oh yeah, not, not to well, jump ahead, yeah, but your, your, kinda, your boss is dead. Yeah, that's kind of why. I mean, again, I, I jokingly call them the forty-seven Ronin, but they do the opposite. You know, they do yeah. what the Ronin's supposed to do. <laughs> you know, the, the Shogun dies, and they're just supposed to be like, just they're just supposed to zerg at that point. Yeah, but I, uh, I guess you know, I jumped ahead with that. What were your thoughts about like you know in general the the Kylo presents Ray to Supreme Leader Snopes? Uh, just off the bat, I just I, I really enjoyed Adam Driver's performance in the movie. Just yeah. overall, it's it was it was just it was very good. Like just the the everything, all my misgivings with him about the first movie were proven wrong. I'd, I'd read some speculation about Snoke. Nothing confirmed spoilery, but just he he seemed to look maybe a little bit better in this movie. He did in the mm-hmm. last one, like maybe he was, yeah. you know, the I think the one of the the rampant theories was oh he you know consumes force force power or force users to regenerate himself. And there was there was speculation about that thing that turned out to be the uh, little Oculus or viewing thing in his chamber. 
mm-hmm. uh, about how it was. Oh, it's that's some machine he uses to, you know, suck <laughs> his suck, Lazarus set. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> suck the force power out of people. So I was, I was, I was, I was kind of, I was, um, a few levels. I was happy that wasn't the case. I'm not yeah, sure. We don't want vampires in here. Yeah, I'm not sure why he he seems to look better between the last movie and this one, but I, I really did not see the whole. I'll just say I, I did not see Snoke going out like that, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. right right then and yeah. there, as he appears another, to have another zig. Yeah, I thought it was also a another moment, and I guess this is where I'm going to talk about it more in detail. Um, another sort of middle finger to J.J. Abrams. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I think that like this actually. So I thought this whole movie, in a lot of ways, was the opposite. Well, I don't want to say it for everyone, but for me, it felt like the opposite of The Force Awakens in what I liked and didn't like about it. And that I, I really loved the action sequences in Force Awakens, but just thought the plot was terrible. And there was a lot of things I didn't like about it. And this movie, it just seemed to like flush everything I didn't like down the toilet. Like, I thought Kylo Ren's mask was kind of dumb. <laughs> and there's that scene where Supreme Leader Snopes says, like, take that stupid mask off. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I was like, oh, good. And I also thought... Snoke was a, just a stupid character, and they just they waste him. And I thought a pretty fun kind of way. Yeah, I I never thought he was very original. I just I'm I'm back to the I have so many questions that are unanswered about him. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I mean that was the thing. Like it, he posed more questions than he answered, and we could either spend the whole movie answering them, or we can just kind of kill him and pretend like it didn't happen. <laughs> and I don't fault the latter option really. Yeah, I also thought that. In general, like you mentioned Adam Driver's performance, I thought Kylo Ren was a million times better in this movie. In the original movie, I thought him killing Han Solo was a totally unearned moment in the movie. Like, a character can't just commit patricide without us fully getting the motivation for that. And we got no motivation. Yeah, exactly. And whereas in this movie, he actually was someone who was kind of filled with remorse. And I thought that the scene after they kill... Supreme fact checker Snopes, <laughs> um, and Ray is like, "Oh no, they're still blowing up my friends. I need to go." And Kalorin just says, "Like, just just let them die." I thought that I don't know something seemed very poignant about that to me. This real like, I don't want to like get political here, but a real sort of like fatigue with politics. Like, and that's something I feel in my life as an American in, in twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. If everyone was blowing everyone up, and someone said like, just just let them do it, you know. Like that would be an attractive, <laughs> somewhat attractive yeah. position. Yeah, I mean, as far as politics is concerned, I think we could stand a hard reset. And, and, and <laughs> right, and, and so I thought there was something like attractive about that. This like, look, this old division between empire and and rebels or or resistance in first order. Like, just let them let them kill each other off. I loved that. It sort of backtracked it when he was like, oh, you and I can rule together. And that, it just seemed like not the right kind of sell for, for her. And it also took Ray out of it too. This sort of like, uh, that's not really what I'm into kind of moment. Mm-hmm. Which in retrospect actually made me see something in the Empire Strikes Back scene that I now in retrospect think is, was sort of a misstep in that movie when Darth Vader says, like, oh, you know, we can rule as father and son, it seemed that there's no way to think that Luke would actually be tempted by that, first off. 
But second, that doesn't even seem true to, like, Vader's characterization in the trilogy. Like, he's not in it. Like, that's the Emperor's in it for ruling. Vader, it's like, it's personal. You know, it's not political. Which is what makes Vader so interesting, and the Emperor just a sort of, like, guy behind the scenes. Is that it's... It's why I hate, like, the sort of, like, Marvel supervillains that just want to, like, take over the universe. Like, I just don't care about those villains. I like the villains that are in it for some personal reason. The other crew, the Ocean's Three, escape from the Super Duper Star Destroyer. Yeah. Finn did call Gwendolyn Christie's character Chrome Dome. I don't (laughs) have anything to say about that other than that it was uttered. Yeah. (laughs) I never got any kind of confirmation during the movie if we know if... I mean, I, I know obviously the actress is a woman, but mm-hmm. do, do we know if Captain oh, Phasma? Is character? Yeah, I mean, we, we saw we get we get an eye in this in this movie when you know. They're... I I'm just gonna assume that yes, it's not confirmed, but I'm gonna assume that she is a female in in story as well. That's I was I was hoping for some some helmet off you know action mm-hmm. or, or something. Uh, it's it just seems kind of a waste for the yeah. Right, for her, especially a following Game of Thrones, to be like well known, it might have been fin- fun to put Finn back in the stormtrooper gear and have his helmet off, and then she takes her helmet off to fight him. Yes, that could have been kind of fun. Oh, we're just we're we're nailing <laughs> we, we, we're nailing <laughs> yeah. an alternate Star Wars cut of rewrite. Yeah. Uh, I liked BB-8 hiding as the Imperial droid. That was kind of fun. <laughs> um, so I don't know. You got anything to say about the? I've got nothing else about the Super Duper Star Destroyer scenes. Uh, I forget where the scene exa- actually was in the movie. I uh, just kind of on the back on the track of uh, sure, um, uh, Rian Johnson, just kind of mm-hmm. maybe just zigging left or kind of undoing the mm-hmm. previous movie. But you know, all, there was all the speculation about Ray's parents and just kind of oh, kind of yeah. kind of the revelation that you know they're they're mm-hmm. nobody. Yeah, I mean, just, that was uttered so. So perfectly. I mean, you mentioned Adam Driver's performance. I just yeah. thought that could not have been delivered any better. It's funny. That was another one of the things that I... After I saw Force Awakens and people were speculating on the parentage, I, I told someone, I was like, oh, I wish that it would just come out that they were nobodies. I was like, but of course the movie wouldn't actually do that. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> so, I, was, I mean, again, I wasn't predicting it because I didn't think they'd have the guts to, to do that. But I thought it was really cool that very cold-blooded just to be like no you're not some secret kenobi or skywalker or anything else yeah i mean all, all the all the bitching i've done aside they did they did take some 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 chances in this movie and mm-hmm. i mean i think that one really paid off oh just a stupid thing from the uh the throne room i, I thought uh Hux just starting to take his pistol out and, and shoot. It's, uh, that 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 I thought that was just I thought that was perfect. Yeah, I did too. I think that was. I I really felt bad for the character because he's like taking shit from everyone. Like he's the movie starts with him taking shit from Oscar Isaac, <laughs> and he gets it from Snoke the whole time. And now he's got like a worse boss. Yeah. <laughs> What's the like principal one in in like management that everyone ends up where they're least qualified for? Uh, oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> He's a real victim of dealing with these kinds of people. Oh, that reminded me of one more thing. I guess there was the I think it was like that, that just before Snoke gets uh, divided, uh, Darth Maul style. Um, right. That just that moment when you I think it cuts to the 
Luke's, or I'm sorry, Anakin's old saber like turning sideways. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was a, it was a nice moment of what? Just, just, mm-hmm. just complete disbelief in, mm-hmm. in what was happening before. And I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Snoke's dead. I just, I, I don't oh, think it'd yeah, be. Oh yeah, he's got to be. I just, I can't be. think it'd be a good idea to, to oh, he can regenerate or, or something <laughs> like that. It's just, it uh, would really feel <clears throat> like Abrams versus Johnson at that point. <laughs> yes. Who can, who can write the, the other into a bigger, into a bigger corner? Right. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it did let us like savor the moment. Yes, you know, in a in a great way that is better than shock. It's better to savor a surprise than to just get it over with fast. Yeah, I mean, it was for something as left field as that. I guess that decision was just to kill him. I mean, kind of in the you know maybe middle or two thirds into the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it was. Uh, I don't know how it was in your theater, but I mean, it was. It was there was like there was yeah. there wasn't cheering it was just just shock I mean just silent yeah. like what just happened mm-hmm. so yeah I mean definitely I mean yeah again as much as much complaining as they're doing I mean just mm-hmm. just excellent excellent uh, just risk taking there that 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 mm-hmm. really paid off and I thought that again maybe to compare it to um, one of my big complaints I probably have like four or five big complaints about the Force Awakens but was that it it copied the original movies a lot in a way that didn't add any, that didn't, it copied it and made it worse. Yeah. You know, it's like a dumber Death Star. Yeah. It it played it very safe. So, I mean, I think the climax in Return of the Jedi is, you know, maybe the best scene in Star Wars for, for me personally, it's, it's up there. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they're copying that scene, but I thought did it in a way that made it more interesting, not less, um, was, was very welcome. So um, I guess to go back to the, uh, maybe this will be a little bit of backtracking in time as well, but to go back to the Resistance uh, frigate, they've had the Crimson Tide mutiny. <laughs> Leia is like, you know, <laughs> she kind of comes back like zombie Leia. She's like ripping doors down and like beating people up. <laughs> so, so zombie Leia, you know, beats up, uh, beats up uh, Oscar Isaac and... Uh, I thought it was kind of funny that Oscar Isaac got in more trouble for blowing up the Dreadnought than he did for having a mutiny on the the last Resistance <laughs> show. <laughs> like he blows up, uh, you know, a fleet killer, and they're like, "You're you're demoted to captain." You know, your badge and your gun. Put them on my desk <laughs> um, for like you know having a huge success <laughs> using the world's worst bombers. And then he mutinies, and they're like, oh, I like that guy. You know, like, what? <laughs> he should be locked up. Like, that's court-martial material. Rules of precedent, Captain, commanding officer, regulations, I order you to place the XO under arrest on the charge of Navy regulations. I say again, I order you to place the XO under arrest on the charge of mutiny. Uh, we get the plan that she was stupidly hiding the whole time. They're all gonna take some cloaked ships to Salt Hoth. Though in my mind, that random Imperial guy from Empire Strikes Back who goes, no ship that small is a cloaking device. <laughs> I don't know why I sounded like Jango Fett when I just said it. But uh, that guy <laughs> stuck out to me. But I guess, you know, it's been 40 years. They can have him now. Yeah. I'm, I'm willing to forgive that at this yeah. point. Yeah, that's not a, that's not a continuity error. It's just a more of me confessing my, my nerd... nerd nerd reaction so they're gonna go hide out in salty hoth 
but now the first order is going to go blow them up, right? Um, yeah. From so Leia is like, hey, use my super secret Leia code and contact our buddies in the outer rim. Once they see the Leia signal, they'll totally come running. There's no way that they ignore the Leia signal. It's definitely going to get our friends, and no one comes. Uh, like, boy, is that depressing, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm assuming her incapacitation was the only reason that wasn't done sooner, but yeah. Seems like that's going to be a real image killer for Leia. I thought it was like in, uh, I don't know if you've seen the, the old movie, but like in, in Sunset Boulevard, when we find out that like the butler had been writing all of like Nora Desmond's fan mail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. like had Laura Dern been like making like fake pen pals in the outer <laughs> rim for, for, for Admiral Leia? Yeah, it's. <laughs> or do you think like Leia knew there weren't any friends? Is like is friends in the outer rim the like Star Wars equivalent of like I have a Canadian girlfriend? <laughs> My totally real friends who are not made up are in the outer rim, and I spent all summer vacation with them because they're definitely real and they're my friends. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> they'll st- come. They're super cool. They have they have all have super char destroyers. They're just <laughs> right. just waiting for my phone call and. They'll you're in a jiffy. When have you ever gotten laid? I've laid lots of times. Name one. She lives in Canada. Met her at Niagara Falls. So, unfortunately, there's no Canadian girlfriend that's going to take Leia to the homecoming dance. And instead, they've got to load up into what appear to be rusty slot car racers. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> did, you have a, did you ever have a slot car track I, I, as a kid? I, I did. <laughs> it makes sense to have as a kid. I don't get why the resistance has slot cars. <laughs> I mean, they just, they just need a reason to kick up all the uh, the red earth under all that salt. That's it's, it's just for the cool visual, <laughs> right? So weird. And like the guy, the guy who like announces to the audience that it was salt, like, I don't, it seemed very superfluous. I don't know if it was to like set up like that's why the stuff is so rusty, maybe. I guess maybe the first time I saw that trailer when they were on the, I, I assumed it was just ice or you know s- mm-hmm. or snow, but mm-hmm. I guess that was just a very uh, hey audience. In case you're not paying attention, here's a guy <laughs> just taking two seconds just to say this is salt. <laughs> right, we'll never tell you who Snoke is, but we really <laughs> want you to know the <laughs> composition of ground matter on this planet. Yes. <laughs> um, so. Uh, so anyway, they're they're up in the slot cars, and you think you know this is starting to look another zigzag moment. It's starting to look kind of like a uh, a Death Star run, uh, but the slot cars just do nothing, right? They're as pointless as the whole Monty Calderon plot, and they accomplish nothing. Well, one of them might have accomplished something, if not for a certain. It's <laughs> not for my favorite character. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like yeah, it's like. It's like it's like oh, there's the the mini mini Death Star lasers about to punch the base. All of our friends are going to die, but I'm just gonna you know selfishly slam you out of the way so I can make out with you. Yeah. Do you think it would have been a better scene if she if there had been nothing romantic about it? It would. I think yes. It would have been more forgivable. I think that it it it. I think because it's romantic, it does come across as selfish, or is selfish, I'm just coming yeah. across it. But if it had just been like a... So I'm with you. Like, when it happened, I thought, boy, that was stupid. No one was jumping to save 
space hair Laura Dern when she's going to like, you know, there are autopilots. There is no reason for her to do that. Yeah. No one's like pushing her out of the way. That, that, and that was my, I, was, I really, really enjoyed that, that entire sequence though. Um, yeah, where it goes to, to silence. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was cool. But yeah, for for a little while, I was I was, I was like, oh please, please, just Rose, bump him out of the way and just fly in yourself. You will. Oh, oh yeah, oh. I thought that was going to happen too. That would have been yeah, just something. Sacrifice yourself, and all will be forgiven. We don't, <laughs> right. we don't, we don't have to mention this ever again. <laughs> what happens in Monte Calderon stays in Monte Calderon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but. Um. No, but it's another instance of me me hoping for something that seemed like a you know a very strong possibility, and no, nope, I'm just I'm just gonna stop here and make out for a little while while everyone's yeah. slaughtered in the background. As far as we know, I I will say that I did love the line. It didn't make sense given that she seemingly doomed them all to death, but I liked the line where she said, "We're not gonna win by killing what we hate. We're gonna win by saving what we love," or something like that. Had it been uttered in a different context, I think maybe it would have been better. But I did like the line. Yeah, but I mean, yes. Yeah, as, as far as she knew in that moment, they're, they're all they're all dead. But little do they know that Jedi Master. I wish I could say it like uh, like C three PO says it in Java's Palace. <laughs> Jedi Master Luke Skywalker. Um, or no, like he says it to the Ewoks. That's how I want to say it. With the little sound effects appears, with a with a spiffy new haircut and a nicely trimmed beard, <laughs> and, right. and fresh new digs. Right, <laughs> and I liked this. I liked everyone shooting at him and him seeming to survive. And you thought, well, if Leia can spend a minute in cold space, he can probably survive. You know, a million bombs. Yeah, um, I, I was ready to believe. Like, you know, oh, here, here's the Luke we've been promised. Like. Neo can bring uh, what's her name back to life in the Matrix. Yes, true <clears throat> kind of moment. But little do we know that the Velociraptor sees Luke hiding in an oven and starts running after it. <laughs> but it turns out that it was just a reflection, <laughs> and the Velociraptor runs into a refrigerator, and Luke gets to crawl out of the oven and run to safety. Laura Dern taught him that one. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. God creates dinosaurs. God destroys dinosaurs. God creates man. Man destroys God. Man creates dinosaurs. Dinosaurs eat man. Woman inherits the earth. I loved the way that this this whole thing was done. Uh, it was kind of in the back of my mind. Maybe I just didn't want to didn't want to think about it. It was the whole. It just it didn't feel. It didn't feel. 100% right Luke being there if he was actually physically mm-hmm. there it'd be like Batman sneaking into Gotham <laughs> all the bridges have been blown up <laughs> and then like guys I know you're about to fall through the ice here but check out this 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 cool flaming bat I just drew on this bridge right. no telling how many people have just died horribly right. while I've been dangling from a rope like spraying lighter fluid all over this bridge <laughs> But sorry. Anyway, keep going. Oh, but um, I mean, I, I thought it was. I liked him. You know, finally, Luke and Leia finally getting to to sit down. I, I was worried we weren't going to get that for a little while because in the back of my mind, I was still thinking whatever Carrie Fisher has filmed in this is, is it. 
So mm-hmm. if there's anything, mm-hmm. any kind of planned reconciliation in the next movie, we're not going to get that at this point, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was, I'm, I'm glad that happened, even if it was just Luke on on Force time. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm really a big fan of it. It's, uh, I thought it was Adam Driver's just kind of, you know, frantic, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I want you to fire everything at this man, just his, mm-hmm. his hate. Oh, just this just remind me just one thing we I guess we maybe didn't mention. Yeah. The uh I liked um Luke and Kylo's different different recollections of the uh mm-hmm. of the evening. Yeah, put a little bit of Rashomon into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah, I, I, I thought that was that was that was really well done and I liked you know, just the subtle differences between, you know, the two recollections, just you know, the expression on Luke's face from from Kylo's perspective, mm-hmm. you know, as his lightsaber you know, being on or off and just mm-hmm. how they how they both just remembered that remembered that differently, but anyway, not to get yeah. too far away. Um, no, 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 no. It's actually, that's a scene that I that we definitely needed to talk about, and and I forgot to. You think like you'd think Luke? I mean, this guy is Darth Vader's grandson. You think you would have had like a break glass in case of dark side, like <laughs> you know, uh, flow chart of what to do. You know, you you shouldn't have had to make decisions on the fly. But, yeah, but anyway, maybe that's. Whatever, <laughs> that was a. I, I agree with you that that was that was really great. Kylo's hatred for Luke made sense in a way that his killing Han Solo didn't. Yes, it 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 really just solidified and, and made it you know I guess understandable. Yeah, it wasn't just you know just unfounded raw seething hatred. It was it had a it had a purpose or there was a there was, it was an Anakin killing younglings. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I thought it was really neat, and I thought that... I guess I had two things to say about it. One is, I'm a little surprised that I liked it so much, because it, it almost did something that I like to make fun of the um, like the Harry Potter books for doing. You know, early in the story, we'll introduce some magical element that you've never heard of before, but everyone acts like it's been there all along. <laughs> And then you know, like, oh, well, this will be the thing that they use at the end. You know, this this new spell they learned, mm-hmm. or this new kind of creature that everyone acted like they knew about all along will matter at the end. And it sort of did that with the Force time, but I thought that it was weaved into the story so well that I did not balk at it being used in the in the climax. Yeah, I, I thought about that as well. Like, this would have been a very large game changer in the previous movies right. if this was possible. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, could, I could see Luke, you know, in his exile, maybe figuring out something that I hadn't seen if before. Qui Gon can figure out how to come back from the dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll give Luke yeah. like you know some uh, some holographic technology. Oh. Speaking of coming back from the dead, yeah, uh, I was thinking about uh, that as a scene we forgot to mention. Yeah, I, I really wanted to touch on that. <laughs> let's just wait. Let's wait till we yeah, do like final good. thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, talk about that. We will. <laughs> An old friend has learned the path to immortality. The other, the thing that I thought also made that scene work is that it. It was still a high stakes, pl- like it still killed Luke to do it. Yes, I thought it might have been cheap if not, but that it somehow either took a lot out of them. Um, they didn't need to go like he died of a broken heart. 
them. They just let them die. And I'm, I mean, so I, what I assumed the sequence showed, which I thought was really cool, was when he was dying, he saw the setting suns from Tatooine. Is that was that, did you get? Is that the way you read that scene when he was when it was sort of from Luke's perspective when he was dying? Yeah, I wasn't one hundred percent if maybe the planet he was on had twin suns, but I mean, I didn't I didn't get that that impression beforehand. So okay, it was, so I it, it may have, yeah I, I like I, I really like your your take on it better. Yeah, that was sort of. I hope that I don't like go on Wikipedia and read like oh by the way. Acto is in a binary system. I, I I like the idea that it's a single star, but that in his dying moments he he sees um, the sun setting on his home world. Especially given that scene in 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 the original movie uh, where he's sort of stare, staring out over the setting suns, being such a sort of iconic moment. If that's not the case, that's that's the case now. That's right. That, right. that is yeah, now canon. Canon. <laughs> right. Right. So I, I thought that was a really cool feature, if in fact that's what it is, um, which we shall decree. We'll, we'll edit Wikipedia as often as we need to to make that the case. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, we've uh, been talking about this for like almost two hours, so obviously we're the kind of people who would do that. <laughs> oh, so, so anyway, this all turned out to be a diversion tactic, right? And... <laughs> And Oscar Isaac realizes there's a way out because the quote-unquote crystal critters uh, have let them out. Did you, like... I, like, is... Do, is Do you think it was meant... Was crystal critters, like, something that the character... Mm-hmm. Is that something, like, Poe, like, made up at the time? You know, like, Han calling C-3PO Goldenrod or something? Or is it, like, if you look up in, like, the Star Wars, the new version of the Star Wars Encyclopedia, it's gonna have them listed under Crystal Critters? Because <laughs> that's really dumb. <laughs> I, I hope it was just Poe po a, playing a solo. He's He, he has a, a few soloisms to him, the, the character. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm calling that as just a... Yeah. A solo nickname, it, and, and it would make sense for the character to do it, but it was he played it so straight, it almost felt like <clears> that was their, you know, that was their given name, and <laughs> I'd be like, <laughs> what are they? Are they made out of unobtainium <laughs> level <laughs> stupid name? They're they're made out of kyber crystals. You have to shovel them into the Death Star to get that thing to fire. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Crystal Critters, I think, is the last thing I had written down on my notes to talk about. <laughs> I don't even remember what happens after that. It's all a blur. I guess oh. there's like a, you know, a, the Millennium Falcon has to like go through Beggar's Canyon on Salt Hoth, but they leave. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. We gotta like end up wink <clears throat> to the viewer ending on on Monte Calderon. Where the little like stable boy shows his like uh, little orphan Annie decoder ring to his friends. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it was one of those things. Did they have one of those in like Casablanca or something like for the French Resistance? Or I think so. I mean, it's, it seemed very familiar, but right. I could not place what it, it was from. Yeah, it, it was too <clears throat> decoder ring esque for me. Like I. I started to think that Leia's message to the Outer Rim was drink your Ovaltine <laughs> when I saw that ring. 
So I don't have any. I think I saw some people hate that scene. I I thought it was kind of cute. I don't like it or hate it. It was a thing that was there. <clears throat> yeah, that that reminded me of something that kind of mm-hmm. maybe rubbed me the wrong way, and on something else that rubbed me the wrong way in Casino Planet. Sure, <laughs> or on sure Mon- Monte Caldera. <laughs> right. So when they're escaping, I, they're at one point. <laughs> I just rushed through our discussion because it's. Yeah, it's. I just didn't want to talk about it. Keep going though. Just no, no. Just it's so horrible. But uh, yeah. Oh, let's. As at one point, I think they were. Oh, let's free these the space horses. Never Mm -hmm. mind about these these slave children over here. Essentially, (laughs) (laughs) like we're we're just gonna we're gonna free the slave horses. Never mind that they'll be you know rounded up in half an hour. Right. We're gonna get in our ship and leave. Have fun, kids. Yeah. It was cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Rose isn't crashing the ship to release those guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that was cold. That kind of hit me as, well, alrighty then. If those, if those kids join yeah. the First Order now, I don't know the reason. <laughs> right. Yeah. That kids are in the wrong ring. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you want to talk about our, our little green friend? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm still not sure how I feel about this. Yeah, I don't hate that Yoda was in the movie. Yeah, I, I think I, I, think, I think someone needed to be, whether it was Yoda yeah. or... Um, it's easier to do Yoda than Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I'm, I'm, I still have, you know, just the odd, like, uh, nightmare about CGI uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah, I, yeah, that's why you can't have Obi-Wan. Though maybe, like, Force Ghost, it wouldn't be as bad. Um, I could have forgiven Force Ghost, Ewan McGregor, but that would have... That would have just thrown too many wrenches into too many things. Yeah, yeah. I guess it was better than, um, than Force Ghost Hayden Christensen. <laughs> yeah, I was to say that was we know what Lucas would have done. <laughs> I don't know. I thought the the line where Yoda says like page turners, they were not. Oh, that, that was kind of funny. That, I, I don't know. That kind of brought me back back at a. It kind of, okay. it kind of caught Another me moment killer. It kind of caught me as like a Star Wars kind of leaking into our universe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of like the, yeah. the whole Poe thing. They don't even have books in this universe. Yeah, it's it, it. It may have just been me, but I just kind of I was like, huh. I feel like there might have been a better way to say it, but yeah, um, they're, they're not really I, playing to my demographic at the end of the day. They're playing to everyone. Yeah, and I, I guess it's sort of fair game now as far as discussion goes. But what would you have thought if the movie had gone in a direction that really, really went? No, Luke is the last Jedi, and whatever Ray is gonna be, or Kylo potentially, if he gets redeemed, it's not gonna be a Jedi. I had kind of always assumed that you know whatever Luke ended up being wasn't gonna be the same at the end of the day, since he sure. he, he was his training. I, I guess when you think about it, was very very incomplete sure. when he left Yoda. Right. So the the books would help you know, bridge that gap. Sure. And this was, this is what I thought, you know, before, mm-hmm. even back before the prequels or just, you know, just back, mm-hmm. you know, back when Jedi was the end and that was it. But, uh, I thought, yeah, I would have been okay with yeah, it. Ahead, I would have been okay with it. I mean, it would have, I don't know if it's a situation where just their natural, you know, if it was just a case of like, like for instance, if you burned all of, if you, you know, burned all of the math books in the world, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's a constant. It's, you know, it's just, it's just a matter of time until it's rediscovered. Right. I thought there was a part of like Luke's philosophy that I I it would have been bold and a lot of fans would have hated it, 
but I mean, fans are going to hate anything as we've, we've seen. <laughs> um, yes. But I think that like, I don't know. I think I kind of would have liked it if Luke had sort of stuck to his guns and, and had this like, Hey, you know, the, the force isn't the like property of the Jedi and the Jedi were, were one way of, of manipulating this, but maybe their time is past. And and that doesn't shut off Ray's development in the Force, but it just means that you know she's not operating within the confines of Yoda, Obi Wan, Luke kind of yeah, ethos. Yeah, Jedi dogma. And I thought that, mm-hmm, and I thought that that would have paid off Luke's. You know, now his isolation seems kind of pointless, but it, it maybe would have paid off that, and would have made this destruction of the sacred texts you know, made a little bit more sense. And and then you would, you know, you would read, you know, there's always an interesting, you know, when you look at Return of the Jedi, does that title refer to Luke or does it refer to Darth Vader, to Anakin? And under this reading, it would refer to Anakin. Uh, and that would work, you know, that it was not a return of the Jedi order. It was a return of this one particular Jedi. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, again, I don't have any real fault with the way it was done in the movie. I'm just sort of what if what ifing it right now. Yeah, that would have been, I mean, uh... I guess it'll depend on how they, how whatever Abrams does with sure. with with the uh, sure. the the pile of the pile of whatever he's been left with. But sure, sure. But I mean, I think the way you, what you talked about, just if Luke had stuck to his guns, that would have led to, I mean, really a lot of freedom in terms of mm-hmm. what what they could do with the uh, any future movies, and that would have been. Mm-hmm. I mean, as we've seen here, you know, just kind of. Breaking the Star Wars mold, so to speak, is is has mm-hmm. led to some. I mean, really, really great moments in the film. So yeah, I, th- I think that would have been that would have been a good. So I'm gonna say, overall, I really liked the movie. I didn't love it. I mean, I've talked about the things I didn't like, but the things there was more that I liked than that I didn't like. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with you. I'm I'm kind of I'm in a strange space because I think I think a lot of this movie could be salvaged with. Or at least the, the the moments I didn't like, with just maybe some editing. Yeah, there, there were so many moments where you know you had just even a mild amount of tension was immediately undercut by a joke. And yeah, this movie did have a lot of a lot of jokes per minute in comparison to right. other Star Wars movies. It felt very right. Yeah. It's very like you know very like Marvel-y Avengers kind of. Mm-hmm. I guess with the appeal they're they're you know they're trying to have to sure. a much wider audience, but I I think there's a good movie in there. And I'm sure someone will fan edit something like that. <laughs> sure. So sure. I don't know, I'm, that definitely will happen. You're right about that. Yeah. So I'm sure some someone will fan edit, edit the hell out of this movie, and it'll be it'll it'll just you, you'll wonder why the uh, how the other one ever made it out of the editing room. Yeah, I, I I like it a lot. Maybe I liked it more because I liked the Force Awakens. I think I liked Force Awakens less than a lot of people, and maybe that made me like. Last Jedi more than a lot of people, and just the fact that I thought Ray's parentage mystery was dumb. Whatever the Knights of Ren were supposed to be was dumb. Kylo's mask was dumb. Snoke <laughs> was dumb. And the fact that the movie seemed to like high five me on those thoughts maybe it made me like it more than I should have. I, it did not have an action sequence that was very memorable compared to like every other Star Wars movie. Yeah, there. You mean just in terms of space action sequence or just in general? In general, I thought that, you know, I mean, to think about the the, the Death Star battle in the original movie, the Hoth sequence, and the lightsaber fight in Empire, 
the space battle and the lightsaber battle in Return of the Jedi, Darth Maul and the pod race in Episode One, the Jango Fett, you know, rain fight and the clone fight, and the even though it's divisive, Yoda lightsaber fight in Episode Two, lightsaber fight in Episode Three. I thought these were all more interesting action sequences, and then in 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 Force Awakens, I thought the some of the space battle scenes and the the action sequence that blew up the Maz Kanata Cantina, I thought those were very just from a pure action movie visual effects standpoint, all sort of light years ahead of anything in in this movie. Yeah, my, my favorite sequence is probably in the uh, uh, Kylo Ray throne room versus all the. Uh... All the red guy. No, that wasn't really 88 of them. And maybe when I rewatch that, th- that will be up there. Because there was a lot of fun, like, throwing the lightsaber to each other, kind of. That was that was pretty fun. So maybe yeah. I'm just... The, I should watch it again before I say that. The, uh, the, when he, the, very, the very end of it, it's, it's horrible when you think about it, but the uh, this got some applause in my theater when, when he uh, just quickly turned on and off the saber into the guy's head mm-hmm. at the very end. Mm-hmm. That that did get some yeah, it's very brutal. Yeah, it did get some applause though, and it's it's kind of a it's an interesting I guess technique you haven't really seen maybe. Yeah, they managed to do something new with a lightsaber. Yeah, which, yeah, that's that's impressive at this point. Yeah, it's no small feat after all this. How does this rank in the Disney era Star Wars movies for you? So there's three of them. How do you how do they stack up for you? Ooh, I I really liked Rogue One. Me too. I mean, I I, I really liked Rogue One. It was, <laughs> I love that movie. It's, I mean, it doesn't. It's it, it accomplished this like the impossible. It it's it, yeah. it's between it's it's a movie before New Hope that in no way really screws with the canon. Well, well it fixes it. Yeah, and, and it adds all this all this <laughs> all this all these new characters and everything. It's I mean that that's top of the list far and yeah. away. This one right now with just one watch under my belt. Oh. I think this one has has more high points than than uh, Force Awakens did, and mm-hmm. Force Awakens was very very safe. So mm-hmm. it, it it didn't really it risked nothing, but it, it didn't really gain anything in my right. opinion. This one this one took risks. You know, it had some some ups and some flops, but mm-hmm. I, I think it deserves the edge over Force Awakens for that reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I go along. I, I, I rank them the, the exact same way. Um, Rogue One is the, the runaway winner and then I put this one over Force Awakens Thanks for listening to We Serve Droids and thanks to Computer Music All-Stars for the music You guys look like What do they look like, Jimmy? Dorks <laughs> They look like a couple of dorks <laughs>